Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to the Drop Step podcast. I'm your host, Jack Quantrill, and we're back again this week with yet another guest, another guy that you are going to see on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it. He's constantly posting some of your favorite reels, some of your favorite threads that you're going to see particularly about up and coming players i'm joined by the one the only brett usher brett how are you doing today man i'm so excited to have you on what's up jack i'm happy to be on here with you man absolutely yeah definitely i think we've got a a very cool uh topic to discuss today that i know you're gonna uh sort of introduce here but but yeah i was giving it some thought last night and this morning and uh, i think that's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about i think you're right it should be good so Last year, the Denver Nuggets win their maiden championship, the first in franchise history. They had some fantastic players play for them throughout their franchise history, but they finally broke that duck. And that turned my attention to the league as a whole. There are 10 franchises that haven't yet won a championship. And what Brett and I are going to do today is uh, we're going to rank the 10 teams that haven't won a championship yet by how likely we think they are to join the Denver Nuggets reach that promised land and win their first NBA championship. So you might listen to this and you might think, well, my team has a ton of assets. We're for sure we're going to win a championship in the next decade or so, but maybe it's not their time. Maybe there's a team that has the players, has the superstars and is ready to mount a title push now. So listen in. We're going to talk about 10 teams from the NBA today and we're going to go in depth on some of your favourite players. So I hope that you're listening. I hope that you're ready to enjoy this conversation. But without further ado, Brett, you are my guest. You are one of the most knowledgeable people on NBA Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. 
I'm going to give it to you. Who is your number 10 franchise in terms of who you think is least likely to win their first championship? Oh, man. Starting at the bottom is so brutal because it's just like, you know, <laughs> taking, a shot at, taking a shot at somebody right off the bat. Um, <laughs> it is. But I think every team we're going to talk about here at least has a franchise guy or they have the assets to get there. So I wouldn't say that any team we're going to talk about has a 0% chance of winning a championship in the next 10 or so years. So hopefully that's not too hard a shot we're taking to get things started. No. And and I'll tell you, man, it was funny. Like, as I said, before we started recording, like I've never thought about this before. I've never really considered, you know, which teams haven't won a title. And so I kind of challenged myself to, to come up with it in my head, like just off, what I know about NBA history and I got it eventually, but it took me some time, but I didn't, I didn't have to look it up. Uh, I was kind of proud of myself for that, but it was kind of surprising. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like they did win one and this, they never did. But anyway, uh, to get into it, uh, the Charlotte Hornets are going to be my number 10. Now, like you mentioned, pretty much all these teams have a franchise guy or something to be excited about. And the Hornets have LaMelo ball, who I'm a big Mm -hmm. fan of. Like I'm as high on LaMelo as anybody. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, I think it was it was a real bummer that he got hurt last season. Uh, that just kind of felt like a lost season for, for him and for the team. Um, and, uh, of course, they, they drafted Brandon Miller. I, not my favorite, you know, super high draft pick ever, but I, I like him. I certainly see the appeal. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's the direction I would have gone there, but uh, but still, that's that's another piece to be excited about. You see Mark Williams, who uh, I think is going to be potentially the center that LaMelo has needed um, the last couple of years. Uh, just a, a big guy that can protect the rim, that can space vertically, that can shoot it a little bit. It's pretty mobile. So um, they've got some pretty nice young pieces, but I just feel like they're nowhere near um, – <laughs> The, the, the conversation of contending for a title they just they just aren't you know so whether that's um some major development on the part of some of their young guys or uh bringing in um some additional pieces uh, in in the coming years maybe they could get there but i think they're kind of the furthest away that's how i was looking at it when i ranked them 10th right i can reveal that the charlotte hornets were 10 on my list as well i also think that they're furthest away and for a lot of the reasons that you said but like we said let's start with the positives lamello i think probably has a top 15 ceiling in the league he's one of the best volume three-point shooters we've already have he's got a great first step he's a brilliant playmaker whether that be in the half court or in transition and he's a guy that has the frame to develop defensively but um i just think that the surrounding cast I don't know how many players are going to be there long term. You mentioned Brandon Miller. The Hornets have a history of being absolute do or die with their number two picks. I think they had Alonzo Mourning in 92, Mecca Okafor in 04, MKG, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in 2012. Uh, So I think you could probably say they've gone one for three so far. Hopefully they can get that up towards the 50% range with Brandon Miller. But I just look and I think that aside from Brandon Miller, Lamelo, and Mark Williams... Who are the guys that are going to be in this roster in two to three seasons time? We've already seen uh, Gordon Hayward's contract is expiring this year. Miles Bridges took the qualifying offer. Uh, PJ Washington doesn't seem to be coming back. And Terry Rozier, as much as we like him as a guard, as a third guard, I don't know 
how long he's going to be on this team for and, you know, if that contract is even at positive value. So I just think that Charlotte, despite having a couple of great young players and young prospects, they don't have a ton of assets in the cupboard. I think they've got all of their own picks and I don't believe that they have any additional picks coming in. Maybe a Denver 2025 first if memory serves correctly. But I don't see how they add a ton to this franchise. They're not a massive free agency destination. If this team is to win a championship, you need to see Brandon Miller reach that Paul George style ceiling, which I don't know if he can do given his slight athletic limitations. And I think you also need LaMelo to turn into one of the top three point guards in the league. Like they're going to be an exciting team to watch going forward, but I just don't know about them personally. And I feel bad because they're enjoyable to watch, but what what direction do you think they take in the next couple of years, Brett? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They, they seem a little bit directionless when you look at their roster and kind of that mix of those veterans that you mentioned and then the young guys that, that I mentioned right off the bat who, who I do think will be there long term. And then, yeah, the Bridges situation, the P.J. Washington situation is mm-hmm. nebulous at best. Um, but I, I think they go in the direction of just you know, straight up rebuilds, uh, new ownership now, obviously. I think they can kind of identify, look, these are the guys that um, we're going to prioritize going forward. We're going to prioritize their development, Mello, Mark Williams, uh, and Brandon Miller. And, and I think you could really have something there, but but again, you're going to need more. So you try to get whatever you can out of those older assets that you have, like Gordon Hayward. Like, you know, maybe you could flip his expiring for – I don't know. It's the trademark. It's so tough right now with those kind of deals, but like you could get something for him for sure. So I think you just try to accumulate draft capital. I mean, realistically, you're probably not going to be a playoff team next year. You're probably going to be back in the lottery. Like you said, they've got their own picks. Uh, So I think you just try to build through the draft, Um, you know, maybe bring in some, maybe, maybe even just like a, some new face, some new veteran faces Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, to sort of, it's always good to have, quality veteran pieces around a, a rebuilding developing team. Like, I think that's good just for, you know, you, you don't want to be, you don't want it to be a complete mess. Like you want it to be a, a relatively healthy environment for these guys to develop their games. in. so, but maybe, maybe that just means bringing in some new faces. Maybe you keep one of those, maybe you keep Rosier around. I don't know, but I think, I, I think in a nutshell, it's just like full on rebuild time. Like this, they've just sort of been in between, um, almost like on some bizarre two timelines kind of thing the last yeah. couple of years and where they did, you know, they were in the play in, I think two yeah. years in a row, like they've been yeah. reasonably competitive at times, but that's not really a place you want to be just kind of in that, um, that purgatory, I guess. Uh, so yeah, yeah. T- time to pick a direction. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll prioritize the future. Hopefully. I, I don't know if they're going to pick that direction, but I think they might be forced into it in the short term because that yeah. Eastern Conference is stacked. There are a lot of young teams looking to build and make the play in this year, and I just don't think that they have the surrounding talent. So one way or another, they're going to be adding quality to the roster, but it's going to be a long-term project for the Charlotte Hornets. Truth be told, I'm not even sure that Lamelo is a number one. I think that so much of his value comes from his off-the-ball threat. Uh, I think that that value could be really utilised next to a primary scorer. They need some more scoring punch. They need a lot more to the roster. But let's let's move on. Brett, I made you go first with number 10. So, so I'll take it next. I'll go for my number nine pick. You might disagree here, but to me, the Brooklyn Nets are the second least likely team to win their next NBA championship. Where did they rank on your list? Are they around this area? 
They're, they are right there. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're two for two. Um, they, were, they were also my number nine. Um, and again, this is just another team. Well, and it, it, different than Charlotte, but also but similar in that it's hard to know what direction they want to go right now. Like they have a lot of good players, you know, a lot. You know, they've probably got at least six or seven like genuinely good NBA players right now, if not more. I'd say more than most teams. Um, but they don't really have a star. I mean, they have Mikhail Bridges, but he and and I think it's fair to call him a star at this point, but he's only been a star for a few months. Um, so not that I doubt he can continue that level of play next year, but uh, but aside from him, like I don't know that he's like a number one necessarily. Yeah, I'm not quite sold on that yet, like on a great team. So that's another one where it's like they just have a lot of good players. And it's like, I think they could be a playoff team. I think they could be one of the best defenses in the NBA. I think they will be um, next year. I think out of this list, you know, I'd have to look at it, but they might be one of in the top half of this list next year, potentially even like they could be pretty good. But if we're talking about winning a championship, um, I just feel like they're, they're a little ways away. Yeah. Talking about Mikhail quickly, post-Nets trade last year, he was putting up 26 points per game on above league average true shooting efficiency in and around that 60 mark. So he took the scoring burden on like a duck to water. He really adapted very comfortably to it and had a tricky playoff series, but that's to be expected if it's your first time going into the postseason as a number one. But what jumped out to me about Bridges is that his assist numbers actually dropped when he got to Brooklyn. He they don't have a lot of shot creation. I think that offense is going to look really quite stagnant. So they've got their number two in place. They've got their number three in place for me with Nick Claxton, and they've got a great cast of supporting role players. I think they're in need of a number one, but until they get that, I just don't see them going anywhere in, again, a stacked Eastern Conference. Yeah, they're they're pretty extreme um, toward the defensive end. We're like, I could see them being like honestly like a top five defense but then like a bottom five offense and again that could be good enough to get you into the playoffs potentially if they could if they could overachieve a little bit offensively I think they could be uh, a playoff team and especially if if Ben Simmons um, can have some kind of resurgence which I'm not totally ruling out yet I don't know that he's going to be an all-star all-NBA again anytime soon but I think he could be um, a relatively valuable player for them next season because we haven't really seen him with this version of the nets like all that we've really seen of ben simmons with the nets was with like the kd Kyrie nets i think he only played maybe two or three games with after the mikhail trade and and i think that was pretty limited minutes off the bench so this could be a little bit better of a basketball fit for him so but again i'm not um i'm not going to count on him too heavily uh yeah i agree man they need a star they do have some pieces they could move Um, on the draft picks yep they do they do they've got a lot going in their favor like i you know i I think i was kind of torn between putting them at eight or nine this is tough to rank because again in the short term i think they could be pretty good it's just like what's their pathway to being a a championship team like when you don't have a superstar on your team right so yeah yeah i look around the league and i see a couple of potentially unhappy situations they've been linked to dame sparingly but i think we all know he's miami bound and I think in a couple of years, they're going to be a Trey Young destination if it doesn't quite work mm-hmm. out in Atlanta. that's They've got that ecosystem sort of set up for him to come in and immediately thrive. But they get that number one. I just I don't see it happening. 
unless another superstar requests a trade, which, you know, in the NBA, this happens all the time. On well, we talked, we talked about LaMelo on the, in the first with the, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, we didn't mention that, but there's no guarantee that he's going to be in Charlotte forever. Like he could request a trade at any point. So like, maybe that's a guy like the, So these things can, can certainly change fast. And yeah, I wouldn't rule out anybody requesting a trade at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. We could wake up. I don't know if you saw before we went on James Harden calling out Daryl Morey on a media tour in China. I didn't have that on my NBA bingo card. But for now, Brooklyn don't have that star. So Brooklyn number nine, Charlotte number 10 at number eight. Brett, who have you got? Because I think I might surprise you with my number eight selection. Uh, let me double check here. Yeah, it's uh, I, I got the Utah Jazz. OK, OK. They're a little bit and... further up the list for me, but. Go for it. Yeah, I, I was tempted to have them a little bit further up. They're an interesting one. They're a tricky one. All right, you've got mm -hmm. a bona fide star in Lowry Markkinen. All-star just, you know, could it be, he might have been a top, what, 12 best player in the NBA last season? I mean, arguably, like top 15. Like he's, he's up there. He, I mean, he's, he's, he's legit. It kind of feels like he came out of nowhere, but he's he's legit. And then you've got this elite rim protector in Walker Kessler. Um mm -hmm. And, and and some other nice pieces. I think they had a great draft, uh, bringing in Keontae George and Bryce Sensabaugh, uh, Taylor Hendricks. Uh, yep. So you've got Ochai Baji, who I really like as a, a 3 and D guy uh, in, in the future. So you've obviously got like some really nice young pieces there. Now that in itself, that doesn't scream championship. Like even if all those guys hit their ceiling, I still don't know if it's quite a championship level team but the thing about the jazz is they have a ton of draft capital that they can use in in potential trades like i, I want to say they've got um like potentially 14 first round picks over the next six drafts right. so they've got yeah. a lot to work with uh especially after those you know the the gobert and the mitchell trades so they're a team that could just cash in those chips at any time maybe package it with one or two of their young guys. Like they could bring in a superstar via trade. Cause I don't know that too many guys are going to want to sign there in free agency, just cause Utah's not historically the most desirable free agent destination in the mm -hmm. league. But in terms of trades, like they're, you know, they're, they're Danny's doing what Danny does um, just stockpiling assets and, and he could cash them in. And then you, you pair, you know, some star that you bring in with guys like Kessler and Mark and, and, and they might, you know, really be cooking. So uh, so I was tempted to have them a little higher just because of that. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic about them, but they were, they were, they came in eighth for me. 100%. And I'm really, really interested to see what John Collins looks like in Utah this season. He's playing under an exciting coach in Will Hardy this year in Utah. who had a great system to watch last year, really offensively, uh, free flowing. Um, but just really interesting to see what a big that's had to play next to centers in every lineup that he's ever been in because of the Clint Capella situation, the Onyeka Okonwu situation. Uh, I want to see what he can look like as potentially even a closing five. Offensively, uh, he's still got that rim running power. He's got one of the jankiest looking fingers in the league post uh, hand injury, <laughs> which uh, has caused a little bit of a drop off in his three point shooting percentage. But if he can re rediscover that three ball, he could be potentially used in two big lineups. And I really want to see what he looks like in a fast paced team where he's going to get a few more opportunities on the post. You know, Utah empowered Kelly Olynyk last year to post up, hunt his own shot and bring his teammates into play. And I'm really interested to see if John Collins can rediscover some of that one on one post juice that we really saw 
before it really became the trade show in Atlanta and he'd been reduced to more of that spot-up role, I think that Collins could have a really big impact in Utah this year. And the other thing is, Brett, you mentioned the first round picks, the 14 in the next six years. But what sets a franchise like Utah apart is they've got draft picks from teams that have pretty uncertain futures coming up in the next couple of years. The Timberwolves have some massive decisions coming up for their franchise. Is Carl Anthony Towns going to be on the team in the next year? Two years, we don't know. He could be traded. Is Rudy going to stick around? Are they going to try and dump him? And is Ant Edwards going to want to stick around in that situation? I don't know. And then Cleveland as well. We've already heard talk this offseason about whether Donovan Mitchell is going to commit to staying with the Cavaliers long term. They could potentially be in a really, really good position. But just for me, I don't know if they reach title contention in the next three years or it's five years. What I think a GM like Danny Ainge is going to do is he's going to wait and read the tea leaves. He's going to see what the situation in Cleveland is looking like, how things are going in Minnesota, and he's going to decide whether to play it fast and accelerate the process because those picks might be losing value, or is he going to play it slow and wait a la Boston Celtics waiting for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to fall into their hands. So I think that something really special is happening in Utah, but for the purposes of this list, I completely understand you having them at number eight because that really could be towards the back half of the 2020s when that asset accumulation really, really starts to pay dividends. Uh, Brett, I just wanted to check, are you ready to be shocked, surprised? Are you ready to question why you've come on this podcast in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> at number eight, I've got the LA Clippers. Uh, and I've got the LA Clippers. Yeah, I know. I know. Let me go through my rationale. So I don't want to be boring. I don't just want to talk about how, ah, oh, Kawhi and PG, they're never healthy together. You can't rely on them as a core. What's Kawhi's knee going to look like next year? Is Paul George actually going to show up in the playoffs? Look, we all know if you listen to this basketball podcast, you know about the Clippers injury concerns. But a few of the reasons why I've got them so low down on this list are as follows. So in comparison to some of the other teams that we're going to talk about, they have an ageing core. Kawhi was drafted in 2011, PG was drafted in 2010, and they don't exactly have incredible young assets to throw at it and to bridge the gap in between this older star-studded wing pair and a younger generation coming through. It's not like other teams that we're going to talk about. So their window to me is the next three years. I think you can... If you're being optimistic, then you can say that the Clippers have three years left of PG and Kawhi having that championship ceiling when they're both healthy. So you're listening to that and you're thinking, OK, three postseasons together, one out of three, two out of three if they're healthy. That's not a bad shot. They should be higher on this list. Well, the other thing is in the offseason before the draft, we heard rumours that the Clippers were actually exploring trades for Paul George. There were talks about him potentially going to Portland. We know that the Hawks have had conversations. They've got this extension issue with both Kawhi and PG to the point where they could hand them four-year max extensions next year. Um, the deadline for that is coming up. And I just wonder if a team that's been scorned by their injuries so much that hasn't exactly had the best atmosphere because of some of the load management issues, just their players not being available when they need them, are they going to commit to these long-term extensions? I genuinely question whether we're going to see this Kawhi and PG core in two years' time. So that shortens their window for me. But 
let's say they stay together. If they keep their core intact, even if Paul George and Kawhi are healthy going into the postseason, they get cooked by the Denver Nuggets whenever they play them. And I'm back in Denver to be the team to beat again in the West this year. I don't think that their core is going anywhere. Last year in the regular season, Denver was 4-0 against the Clippers. They embarrassed them in the bubble. And I just think that even if everything breaks right for them, I don't necessarily know how they beat a Denver Nuggets team. And I don't know how well they match up against other Eastern rivals. Like if they face the Celtics, are they just facing a younger version of themselves? If they face the Bucks, are they going to be able to cope with playing against Brooke Lopez and Giannis, putting all that pressure on the rim without a certified stud number five? I I don't know. So I've got the Clippers at number eight. Have I convinced you somewhat or do you think I'm crazy? Well, they were they were certainly a tough one for me to rank. I, I probably couldn't put them that low, just like on the chance that they do stay healthy and reach their ceiling, you know, because it's just like we've just never seen them healthy. And so it's like, yeah, there's very little reason to believe that we will see them healthy next year based on um, the recent history. But at the same time, it's like if we got peak Paul George and peak Kawhi and say they trade for James Harden, which is certainly a possibility. Um, You know, they've been kind of the favorite uh, to land him. I don't know what today's, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Harden's uh, announcement. I I don't know what what bearing that'll have on on that, but I do think there's a chance they, they land him. And then it's like, if you get all those guys kind of at their best and healthy, like, I don't know, man, but it would have to be in the next, what couple seasons um that's that's pretty much their window so i've got them a little higher just based on that potential as slim as it might be like it is there for me Mm -hmm. um so if we're and if we're talking about who's going to do it first that i don't know i i got them a little bit higher but i understand what you're saying and like that's a good point it's like no matter even if they do what i'm saying they could potentially do Mm -hmm. like are, are they even good enough to beat the Nuggets then? Like, I don't know. It might take some some more good luck uh, to even get past them. So, uh, yeah, that's um, I've got them higher, but I definitely understand. And they were maybe the hardest one to rank for me. Yeah. I might have. Really, a really, really difficult team because I think Kawhi at his peak is still a top five player in the league. We saw that for two games this postseason, but he was on absolute fire against the Phoenix Suns. He's just... He's turned into one of the best jump shooters in the league. His handle is as tight as anything. He can still bring that two-way energy when he needs to. Um, I I hope that I'm wrong. I I really wouldn't mind being proven wrong here and seeing them make a deep postseason run because when they're on, they're pretty electric to watch, particularly those two guys in isolation surrounded by all that shooting. It'd be a great story if Russ could pick up his first NBA championship with the Clippers as well. They've got one of the most talented coaches in the league and they've got one of the best owners in the league say what you want about steve Barmer, but he's invested as much money as you could ever want bar retaining eric gordon this year uh they're a fan base that if there are actual clipper fans in la they deserve they deserve a deep postseason run they've been plagued ever since they moved to la with bill walton with terrible management with donald sterling the list goes on and on so i hope that i'm wrong but i just i don't see it happening for them yeah, I mean, the, the Balmer factor is it's good that you brought that up. And same with Ty Lu. Like, we have to look at that, too. Great coach, great owner. Um, and I like just uh, the rest of their roster. You know, they've got some really nice 
players, you know, whether it's Terrence Mann or, or Zubots, like they've, they've got some quality pieces around those main guys. And I almost forgot about Russ, but um, you know, he was pretty good for them last season. Yeah. So he's a nice guy to have on the team. Like in, I think in this situation, at least. Um, so yeah, I, and I think above all else, man, I, I do just have a hard time betting against Kawhi. If mm-hmm. he's, if he's right. He's, I mean, he's getting a little older. I think he's 32 now maybe, but yeah you know, still in his prime if he's healthy. And like you said, what we saw from him in the playoffs is just like a reminder, like, oh, how good he can be when he's right. So I have a hard time completely betting against that because we've just, we've seen what he's done, you know, winning finals MVP with two different teams. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So he's, yeah. his, his, his peak, you know, his best version is, yeah, like you said, right up there with anybody top five for sure. I think when he said his very best. Absolutely. He's a 50, 40, 90 guy now when he's healthy, which is insane when you look at that jump shot when he first came into the league in 2011. And uh, you missed out one role player that I really like. Norm Powell went for 42 points in the postseason last year. It's insane. (laughs) Who has that depth on their bench? But yeah, uh, I I don't want to talk for too much longer about the Clippers because I'm going to talk myself out of their number eight ranking and I want to keep it spicy. I'm happy (laughs) about it. Hopefully I get proof wrong. But uh, Brett, who have you got at number seven? I think we're starting to get towards some teams that we've got a little bit more hope for. Uh, Indiana. Same here. That's, Same here. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a uh, – look, man, they've got a lot – there's a lot to like with this team. Um, I, I think their young core is actually pretty underrated. Like when we have mm-hmm. these conversations about the young cores, you know, a couple of the teams we're probably mentioned in a little while and, and even teams like OKC or the Rockets, like – Um, we don't really mention the Pacers enough. I don't think when you think about what they have with, with Halliburton and, and Benedict Matherin, you know, and then even, um, even Miles Turner is still pretty young and, um, Obi Toppin's there now. And you look at a guy like Isaiah Jackson and and Nemhard, like go down the list, like they've got, um, a lot of, oh, Jarris Walker, who they drafted this past draft. Like, uh, so they've, (laughs) they've got a lot of nice young players. Um, they're another one where like, even if, I mean, I'd say Halliburton's like, if he's not a superstar, like he's borderline, he's almost the level of best player you would want to have, or at least like in a few years to to be a championship team. But I don't know that they quite have enough. Like even if all these guys kind of hit their ceilings, like they'd be a very, very good team. Um, maybe a borderline contender in a few years if, they, if mm-hmm. everything goes well. Uh, but I still don't know if it would be quite enough um, to win a title. So you've got to, I think, have a lot go right in terms of how these guys progress. And then I think also you're probably going to want to add another big piece at some point. You could say that about, about most teams, but I kind of think that's where the Pacers are, but I think they're, they're going in the right direction. They're, they're very young. Um, they've got an excellent coach. Uh, you know, they've got great fans, all that. And they've got a, an elite point guard in, in Halliburton. Um, just a fun guy to play with, a guy that's going to push the pace, a guy that's going to set the table. Um, so they've got a lot of nice ingredients. I probably could have put them a little bit higher. This, They're kind of – I had mentioned earlier that I kind of had them in tiers, just like in my head, how I broke yeah. these up. So now like, now we're into my middle tier of teams yes. that like could win it with the pieces they have now if they develop properly. And they're kind yeah. of at the bottom of that middle tier for me. Brett. 
I'm, I'm worried that you've been looking at my notes because you've taken the words right out of my mouth there. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. I think even looking at the paces this year, they've got a great mix of that young talent that you've mentioned, but also they've got veterans that can contribute and complement those young guys. I love Buddy Hield playing next to Tyrese Halliburton, and they've got one of the best perimeter relationships in the NBA. I think Bruce Brown is going to do really big things in Indiana this season. And if you ask me to predict the Eastern Conference, I actually think that the Pacers are going to make the postseason this year. Um, one of those, one of the reasons for that is Tyrese Halliburton post all-season break last year. He only played about 12 games, but in those games, uh, he jumped from his season average of 20 points, 10 assists on 40 points, 26 points per game, 13 assists per game, 40% from three still, or even chopping the turnover ratio down. So I think that we could be about to see a real all-NBA level leap from Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's good money uh, for most improved player of the year because I think that they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch this year. I think of them this year as Sacramento Kings East. They've got so much athleticism. They're driven by that central playmaking force. I can't wait to watch the paces this year. But like you said, Brett, I, I look at the Pacers and they've they've traditionally been a really respectable franchise. They haven't had too many dry spells in NBA history. They've always had a decent team knocking about, whether that's with Reggie Miller, whether that's with Paul George, or even going back further in the 80s. They've always had uh, players that at least get them into the playoffs, but they're not a team that likes to take massive risks. They They make small moves. They play it smart. And I just wonder if they're ever going to acquire enough talent to actually push themselves to being a proper championship contender. Um, I, I think that they might go out and try and acquire OG Ananobi next year in NBA free agency. Of course, went to college in Indiana as well and could really fill in long term at that forward spot that they're looking to fill in. They could have a really, really great starting lineup. But you're piling an awful lot of pressure on Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin to develop offensively even further if you want them to put up championship level offensive, uh, a championship level offense. So they're right there for me. They're going to be super fun. But Brett, any closing thoughts on Indiana? I think a major leap from Matherin, um, you know, whether it's this season or next season to where it's like, okay, this kid is well on his way to being you know, one of the three or four best two guards in the league, like major, major leap, like right behind where we could project him like behind, you know, Booker and Edwards. And then he's like, maybe in that next group there, like that type of leap, I think could get this team to, okay. Like, you know, maybe we could win it with this group. So, and I think he has that kind of upside. Uh, I just, you know, I just want to see a little more, but I mean, he's a big time three level scorer. Like I, I like the way he plays. I love everything I've heard about his work ethic. So he kind of feels like the X factor. Like I agree about Halliburton. I could see an all NBA leap this season. I'd almost bet on like at least all NBA third team. And I'm with you too. Like, I think I would probably have them as a playoff team, you know, one way or another, whether that's getting in through the play in or just finishing top six, I probably would pick them to be in the playoffs next year as well. Um, so yeah, they're, they're not far off, man. Um, you know, if 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 Matherin if Matherin can do that, if Jarris Walker can be this kind of defensive beast forward that they've long needed, and then you know if you then then it's like okay, because I mean Miles Turner is twenty seven, I think Bruce Brown is 26, 27. Like those guys are excellent 
veteran players and they're still pretty young. They're not that far off the timeline of the rest of those guys. So if the young guys can get on kind of an accelerated uh, trajectory of development, um, I think they could kind of meet in the middle and, and have something pretty special here. So I like the Ananobi idea, though. I think even bringing in a piece like that could be enough, um, you know, with, with what they have. So they're an exciting team. And uh, it's starting to feel like people are kind of getting a little higher on them because they were legitimately good with Halliburton yeah. last, like above 500, I think, with Halliburton in the lineup last yeah. year, which is pretty good for a young team like that. So uh, I think I think they're going to be competitive. And um yeah, bright future for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to enjoy watching basketball in Indiana this year. But uh, I think that brings us on to our number six selection. And I've made you go first a couple of times in a row, Brett. So I'm going to say my number six selection here, I'm slightly regretting it looking at who I have over them. Uh, I've actually got the Orlando Magic at number six. And uh, I know from looking at your Twitter that you're as high on them as anyone. You you love Franz Wagner. You love Paolo Banquero. But I've just got a couple of questions about those two as a leading one-two punch. And I've also got long-term questions about the front office that's in charge there. So for me, the Orlando Magic, they've got a fantastic young core. I like the pickup of Anthony Black uh, in the draft this year. I'm not entirely sure what they're doing, picking Jet Howard at 11. Hopefully we see uh, why these guys are paid to do it and why I'm not. Uh, But I just worry that long-term, if Paolo or Franz can be a number one option because Franz produces really efficient offense, but with quite low usage, you know, he's a great finisher around the rim. He can take catch and shoot threes. He can create off the bounce and he's shown playmaking flashes. Whereas Paolo, I think he's already shown that he can take on a high burden, a high volume of shots for an offense. And if that passing potential just increases a little bit more then he's going to be able to create for guys, but so far he's done it at, quite a low true shooting percentage. And as a guy that operates out of the mid range quite a bit, hasn't necessarily shown that touch from three as of yet. I think there might be a little bit of a ceiling on their offensive potential going forward. And and like I said, I don't know if this front office is building towards bringing in uh, another potential number one, number two option. I think their recent moves signify that they're definitely for the next couple of years going to play it out with Paolo and Franz as those two main guys. And I, I just think there's a bit of a ceiling on that. But Brett, like I said, I think you're high on them. Uh, did you have the Orlando Magic here? Did you have them higher? Let, let I had know. them I had them a couple spots higher. Okay. As you, as you probably could have guessed. Um, I, mm-hmm. I am really high on them. And yeah, and it, it's all about Franz and Paolo. I like a lot, a lot of the players on their roster. I think there's some questions about the, the current... Um, I won't say construction, I guess balance of their roster. It's they, they're a little, they've got a lot of guards. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know that they're all the type of guards that are optimal alongside Franz and Paolo, but I just think in Franz and Paolo, you have, I see it's, it's tough to project because I don't think we've ever seen anything like them in a sense, like in the fact that they are both six ten, Yep. Wing creators, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're different. Franz is more finesse. Paolo is more power. Um, both. I, I mean, I think, I think Paolo is going to end up being a much better shooter than he was as a rookie. Like, I think that's there, you know, he might, I don't know if he's going to be a 40 plus percent three point shooter anytime soon, but I think he's going to be a guy that you have to respect his jumper and, and Franz for sure. Both guys can handle it. Both guys can pass. Um, so I just think that in itself is going to be, so difficult to match up with um, 
for defenses, just, just the combination of the two of them almost like if you had just one of them, it's like, okay, this is, we can, you know, we can, we can cover that, but to, to have two guys that can do that at that size, um, I just think it's going to be tough, man. And they're so young. You know, Paolo's only 20. Franz isn't even 22 yet. I think he mm-hmm. turns 22 later this month. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very high on both of those guys. I thought Paolo's rookie year was just uh, fantastic. I think he had, a, he, had a, he had a rough month or so shooting-wise that really brought down his efficiency. But I think if you kind of take that away, you, you know, especially you look at the first couple months, um, I think it was one of the better rookie seasons of the last, you know, 20 years. Maybe top, yeah. 10, top 10 in the last 20 years. Like, really – really uh special stuff and um you know i like markel fultz a lot i think he's a lot younger than people realize mm-hmm. he's kind of an interesting fit because like if you look at paolo and franz even if you know they kind of reach their potential as shooters it still feels like they need more shooting you know because those guys can just draw so much attention from the defense the natural inclination is to think we need shooting around here markel fultz is obviously not a shooter um but he's also a guy that can post up a little bit he's really good around the rim finishing kind of a bigger guard so there's a lot of like fun inversions that they can do a lot of fun inverted offense that they can run i think with those bigger guys on the perimeter and faults um so that's that's kind of an interesting fit i i love faults i'm just not 100 percent sure that he's he's the guy yet i think a, a, a another fully healthy season will have a better idea of like okay is this the guy or not and that's kind of the problem they have because they've still got Jalen Suggs. They've still got Cole Anthony. They drafted another point guard and Anthony Black. Like, so they've got all these guys and like none of them other than Cole Anthony can really shoot um, at this point. So it's just, that seems like a weird fit with, with Paolo and Franz. And now you have, you drafted Jet Howard because he's a shooter. Um, I think people forget about Caleb Houston, who they drafted the year before another Michigan guy. Those guys are only 19 and 20 respectively. So I would say if even one of those guys hits, um, in terms of being a big time shooter, I think that's a huge step for this team. And I think that's a pretty safe bet that one of them will hit. And then you've got Wendell Carter Jr., who I haven't mentioned yet, um, at center, who's just I, just a rock solid, um, really good defensive player, really good offensive, just, just a solid guy. He's not elite on either end. He's not really elite at any one thing, but he can shoot a little bit. He can pass a little bit. He's, he's a good rebounder. Um, he can protect the rim a little bit. Like he's just solid. And he's, I think, just turned 24. Um, so my, I guess my biggest question mark with them, sorry for the long winded answer would be that that guard, the guard room just feels really crowded. I think they need a consolidation trade at some point. Um, whether that's to bring in a really, a truly high end starting point guard, um, or another wing or maybe an upgrade at, at the big, although I don't think they need that. Um, but I think this year is just going to kind of be, an evaluation year. I think they're going to be good. Like, I think they're going to be competitive. I would not rule out a postseason appearance for them either. Um, they were, they were above 500 from December 7th on last season, essentially after faults came back, they, they were a, an above 500 team. Um, so kind of like Indiana, like where they're at full strength, they could be pretty competitive, but I also think the the priority is just going to be evaluating the roster, seeing like, you know, who, who are we rolling with in terms of these guards especially and just how are we going to best use Franz and Paolo together kind of harness their uh, unique combination of skills. Yeah. Uh, just to, just to sort of break that down. I'm fully with you on Markel Fultz as well. I think his return to being a starting level NBA player has been really apparent. He's one of the best point of attack defenders in the league. Now 
and that's fantastic for his age. And actually, his shooting has really developed over the last year or two. We haven't necessarily seen it from three yet, but um, 2020-2021, on long twos, he was hitting 21% of them. 21-22, he was hitting 37%. And then when he came back last year in 22-23, he was up to 45% from between 16 feet out and in between the uh, the three-point line. So there's been some real progression. He's a really good free-throw shooter. And uh, I, I wonder if his game can actually stretch out. I, I think he's got wonderful playmaking feel, and he's another guy that I just love watching play, and I don't think he takes much off the table. And when you speak about both those guys being 6'10", that adds so much offensive versatility. It adds defensive versatility too. Uh, I think Magic fans should be locked into Team USA, seeing what Paolo at the five looks like. Because I know you mentioned Wendell. He's on one of the best value contracts in the league. But if you can play a guy like Paolo at the five, that's going to unlock so much space for your guys to drive into. Franz is one of the best drivers in the league. Markel was fantastic at it. Paolo is really good and just going to make it a little bit easier for those guards that don't necessarily have the shot on lockdown yet. They're going to be a team that's really, really interesting to develop. And I think I would have had them higher up if I had a little bit more trust in the front office. Uh, They've smashed it out of the park with picking Franz. They made the right choice picking Paolo number one. But I just have a couple of doubts about being that they're building is, is one that is truly equipped to go through four rounds in the playoffs. I, I just wonder if an is advantage of that lack of shooting, but we're definitely in doubt with the Orlando Magic and they're going to be a really fun watch this year. So they were my number six. Uh, I can't believe that we just spent that long on my number six. Brett, who did you have at number six? Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, man. Uh, I'm always down to talk about the Magic, man. Uh, <laughs> My number six. My number six was the Pelicans. Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. Higher for me, but but give me. Your I take. mean, look. If it wasn't for Zion's injuries and conditioning question marks, they'd be a lot higher for me. Yeah. I just think they need that guy to to reach their ceiling to be a contending team. Like shoot, man. Even this coming season, if if you could promise me. 70 65 games say from zion and ingram both and both guys healthy going into the playoffs like say just the whole team healthy going into the playoffs i don't know they could be pretty close to that level this this year like they were first place in the west prior to zion getting hurt last year like we've Mm -hmm. seen what they can be at full strength so yeah maybe i should have had them a little bit higher but i think that just speaks to how skeptical i am of zion's ability to stay on the court like it's just a combination of things like where I mean, injuries are tough, man, in the league. Like, they it can kind of spiral, you know, where when you that one leads to the next, whether that's just overcompensation or just um, the lack of conditioning that comes with being removed from everyday basketball activities. One can kind of lead to the next. And I think with Zion, there's real concerns about how much effort has this guy put into his rehab from injuries in the past? Mm-hmm. Is he is he going 100 percent on his rehab in terms of the diet? in terms of just putting in the work every day to get back to where he needs to be. I think there's real questions there. And now that can change. He's a very young guy. He's still only 23. Um, he's going to mature. It, it, I think, you know, maybe he, maybe we'll see that this year where it's like he gets in great shape and he plays at that MVP level that we know he can play at. Uh, and then that would change everything for me with the Pelicans. But I love them. They're truly one of my favorite teams in the league. Like I'd probably put them in my top five or six favorite teams i'm a huge huge brandon ingram guy 
um, Trey Murphy, you know, Herb Jones. Like, I, I've, I really do love that team. But I think it just hinges on Zion if we're talking about this, um, this group contending for a title. And honestly, I just need to see it. I need to see one healthy season from him. We In four seasons, he's only had one mostly healthy season. He's played 114 games in four years, not even a season and a half's worth of games. So I just need to see that. And when I do, I probably would bump them up um, toward the top of this list, maybe even like top three. But right now, they're my uh, six. Yeah. Yeah, this feels like the season for Zion. I'm sure that we said that last year. I'm sure we said that the season before last. But just with the mounting injury concerns, um, some of the stuff that's come out about social life, which we are not going to get into on this podcast. (laughs) It's been good Twitter content, but we'll leave it there. Um, Yeah, absolutely. If he's a guy that can reach his ceiling and stay healthy, he's he's an MVP candidate for sure because he is the most efficient finisher we've seen around the rim since Shaquille O'Neal. I, I think that's a fact. I think you know the percentages match up with that. He's got wonderful playmaking feel. He can be destructive on the defensive end. Uh, I, I don't know if his man defense is quite there yet, but we saw real progression in those 26, 27 games that he played last year under Willie Green on being utilized in that sort of free safety role and really just being able to hit the boards play for steals, get his team out in transition. Uh, I think he's a true number one option, but I almost think that they have two number one options on their team because like you said, Brandon Ingram is an incredible player. Um, He's another guy that I'm back in to make all NBA for the first time this year if he stays healthy. Towards the end of last year, post All-Star break, he was putting up LeBron James regular season numbers. He was uh, at 27 points per game, seven boards and eight assists. Uh, And that eight assists was good for about top 10 in the league. He's got wonderful playmaking feel. He is untouchable from the mid-range. He's got a shot that translates to playoff basketball as well, because with that seven free frame, with that huge frame, he's really bulked up since his Lakers days. He's one of these players like a DeMar, like a KD, like a Kawhi that can just get to their spot, rise up above everyone and just get good quality offense whenever he wants to. So I think they've got two real quality number one level offensive guys and they're all at a good age. I love Trey Murphy. I think he's another guy that could have an absolute breakout year next year. First guy in NBA history to go 60% from two-point range, 40% from three-point range, and 90% from the line. Just took too many threes to be part of the 40-90, 50-40-90 club. But they've got incredible potential, and they've got an incredible amount of assets as well. They're another team that's got draft capital left over from the Lakers. They've got Milwaukee picks as well. I think they've got the flexibility to just add one more piece to the puzzle, whether that's a really high-level starting caliber center. I've seen Mm -hmm. that they've been linked to Jarrett Allen. I don't know how that would work in the front court next to Zion, but I I trust this team in terms of the assets that they have. I trust them in terms of their talent. It's just about if luck goes their way and we can see fully healthy seasons from these guys. Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the potential. I, I think that's where they need to upgrade is, is starting center. Like I, I don't think I like Valanchunas. Um, I don't know that he's the best fit um, next to that group at, at center. I think ideally, you know, you'd want to have somebody that's a little bit more of a rim protector, maybe, or a little more mobile um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe could space the floor a little well. I know JV can, a relatively low volume, but he can knock down threes, but um, maybe somebody that's a little bit stretchier, a little bit more of a rim protector, a little, a little faster. Um, I think uh, that would be nice. I think that's where you look to upgrade. I, you know, the CJ McCollum thing's interesting. I mean, he's, he's an awesome player. He it, last season wasn't his 
best season, but um, but he, I, I think he's, I think he's cool at point guard there. Like, it's it's an expensive team. Um, is. going going forward when you start thinking about you know what Trey Murphy's going to command eventually, and um, but uh, man, they've got they've sure got some nice pieces. They're deep. Uh, they've got an elite defensive player in in Herb Jones. Um, I'm with you on Ingram. Like he's he, he might be my favorite wing in the league. Uh, absolutely in, in love with his his offensive game and the, the playmaking leap he's taken has been has been remarkable and and I think Willie Green is definitely the guy like I think they have their their coach long term um, he's he's an outstanding coach um, he gets guys to buy in and like look this team already who knows how co- how good they could have been last season like if Zion doesn't yeah. get hurt right like if Ingram and Zion are healthy last season who knows how good yep. they would have been. They, they might've finished top three in the West and made some noise in the postseason. So um, yeah, they're, uh, they're exciting. Just there's, there's just that one big question mark with Zion. And it's only such a big question mark because he's so good when he's healthy. It's such a big swing factor of like the difference between not having that guy and having it's, it's, it's just massive. And mm-hmm. um, you know, him and Ingram have really haven't played that much together. Like where it's like, I'm not even comfortable like evaluating their fit. You know, yeah, with you with, with real certainty, like I just want to see them together for a full season. I I think it it can work at a really mm-hmm. high level, but uh, we just got to see it. So, yeah, that's uh, I feel bad having them as low as I did because they really are one of my favorite teams, uh, one of the teams I talk about the most. But uh, but yeah, let's just uh, let's Zion. let's see it. Let's let's all on Zion. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they are they are uh, ten through six. Uh, I'm going to jump straight in with my number five. We've already spoken about them uh, so far. I've got the Utah Jazz at number five. Uh, this really is just. I love Will Hardy as a coach. I love mm-hmm. the pieces they've got. They've got ultimate flexibility in terms of their cap room, in terms of their assets. Lowry has potentially the best value contract in the league. They're going to be a phenomenal watch in the next few years, and I just think that. They're going to have so much versatility to go out and get whoever they want, whether that be in the draft or on the trade market. I know that Danny Ainge is capable of putting contenders together, and I know that they've got the coaching set up. I know they've got the back office. I'm not going to dwell on Utah for too long. You know, if Keontae hits already like we potentially saw in Summer League, then they've already got a, if not a primary shot creator, a secondary shot creator that can play next to other primary guys uh, i think that they're going to be another team that's a really fun watch this year so they were my number five uh for for the sake of time let's not dwell on the jazz who did you have at five brett uh i had the minnesota timberwolves at five interesting nice yeah nice. now i mean they might have the best player of all these teams going forward Ooh. Ooh. maybe I'm i mean <laughs> if you <laughs> <laughs> if you fast if you fast forward, you know, three years even, say, like, would you really be surprised if Ant Edwards was the best player of all these teams? So I just think that's the the biggest thing they have going in terms of their mm. potential to break their championship drought is like that they've got a bona fide superstar, a guy who could be a top five player in the league yeah. in within a few years. Um, I was just looking at his playoff numbers this morning. Um, randomly, I guess I was kind of just looking at their roster for this podcast and kind of got sidetracked and just, yeah. you know, obviously they, they've been in the playoffs the last two years. They haven't won either series, but his numbers are crazy. It's like 28, five and four, something like that. Really good efficiency. So he's proven he can do it on, on the big stage. And, um, you know, I think he's probably already 
I would probably say the second best two guard in the league behind Booker. I have to think about it some more, but he's he's up there. Uh, could be the best. So, I mean, look, yeah, on this list, we've got some big time talent. Booker is one of those guys, but like, so, but I think uh, I think Ant's ceiling is as high as as anybody's, and I think there's a realistic chance um, he can hit it. So that's kind of the biggest thing they have going. Um, Jaden McDaniel's is another big factor for me. Uh, another, I said Ingram was my favorite wing. Maybe it's Jaden. It's probably one of those two guys. Um, but I just think his, yeah. I mean, I, the elite of the elite defensively, um, super young still. And I think his offensive game is really underrated, especially his potential, uh, what he could become offensively. Like he's got some stuff in his bag. He's always been able to handle the ball. He's got a nice pull-up jumper. Uh, his three-pointers improved, um, you know, but he can he can really get to the rim. Like he's, I think he could be a lot more than he has been um, offensively. Like if they were to, just kind of build around those two guys, him and Ant even, like I think he could really be like that caliber of player, like a second, third guy on a championship team. Um, now the, the center situation is, I don't love it. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. It's where they're at now. It's what, it's what they decided to do. It's, I think it's a little bit unfortunate um, as a fan of some of their young guys, but again, it's like, I don't know. Let me see it. Maybe it's, gonna look a little better than I thought because we you know cat missed with the majority of last season I think yeah um and uh yeah I, I think one of those guys is gonna have to get moved at some point maybe I think, Kat. Telegraphed it. I think yeah telegraphed it. re-signing Nasri to that extension yeah. you don't pay three centers that much money even if two of them can play at the four spot um, I know that Rudy's been working on his three ball this off season. Hey, if he can shoot the three at forty percent, then we really might be on something. But um, yeah, I, I think that Towns is the guy that eventually gets moved, just because I I, I don't know how Tim Connolly can trade Rudy Gobert and keep his job. If you're admitting to the front office that you've sacrificed all of these assets, and then you're going to be dumping him for a third of that, a fourth of that, even uh, I, I think that Rudy is there to stay. Not necessarily uh, for the best of reasons, but I think that Towns is going to go and they could go one of two ways in terms of what they bring in. Um, I love Carl Anthony Towns. My first podcast on this feed was about how I think he needs to be a number one option somewhere and have the team really built around him in a way that we perhaps saw a few years ago when he wasn't necessarily ready. But I, I don't know what his fit is on this team, uh, just because even if you've got this wing presence of Ann Edwards and Jaden McDaniels that can honestly guard one through four without question, I think both of them can. I think Ant is big bodied enough to take those tough matchups in the post. And Jaden's measured in at six foot 11 this year, I think, in shoes. So he's going to have some serious rim protection potential, as well as just being able to skate out on the perimeter and lock guys down. Uh, I, I'm noticing something, Brett. I've followed your Twitter feeds for such a long time that I think I'm stealing your opinions because I just love Jaden McDaniels as well. You've highlighted so oh, much. No, he's, how he's hard. He's hard not to love, man. He's he's hard not yeah. to love, man. He's if you like if you like defense, like, I mean, because he he really is just an absolute menace uh, defensively. He's like he's he's got some of that Andre Kirilenko type of um, type of playmaking ability on the defensive end. Uh, now nah, he's he's outstanding. Like I think he should have been all defense for sure. Uh, this 100%. past season, I think he will be for sure next season. I'd, I'd bet on that as long as he's healthy. And yeah, and Ant's—I mean, Ant's a tremendous defender when he locks in. 
So yeah. just, I, I mean, that those two are so much of my optimism with this team because they don't have the most assets. They're, the center thing is is really unclear what they want to do there. I agree. Towns probably will be the guy that gets moved. You have sure. to think that they would get a pretty nice return for him. Uh, I think Gobert's on a little bit shorter term money, which is probably a reason why, you know, maybe they would they would look yeah, to maybe. keep him. But yeah, uh, so and he's look, man, he's he's not my favorite player by, by any stretch, Gobert. Um, but, you know, he is a, a, an all time great rim protector. Yeah. Um, and maybe he'd look a lot better with without towns there or maybe the towns go better think it worked this season and and they actually try to try to go forward with that but the the you know and i don't it's been talked about so much but man if they had just kind of stood pat with where they were at you know after 21 22 like they were just going in such a good direction everything was so great and then to just kind of give up so much to bring in gobert like I, i just I didn't hate it at the time. I like that they let, even though I don't like Rudy that much, I like that they were taking a big swing. It's like, okay, I don't know if I agree with this, but I like that they're going for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not so sure that was the right direction now, uh, especially when we look at Walker Kessler and the picks they gave up and everything. So Kessler's Kessler's the kick in the teeth, isn't it? It hurts, man. What they've traded for in Rudy. And you look at how well Walker just translates across the board at being able to do that they would have had it on rookie scale they would have had the assets to go out and get whoever they wanted in the league you know minnesota timberwolves picks are valuable we've seen franchise history they they lead to really really good outcomes so yeah uh, i think they're one of the highest volatility teams in the league i'm just going to carry on because they're my number four selection actually so we can bridge this a little bit until we get on to your your number four brett but I wouldn't be surprised if they won 50 plus games this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they blew it up and they traded Cat at the trade deadline and just said, right, this is a right off season because we don't know what the fit is going to look like with the two bigs. It it all rests on Ant's shoulders. If he reaches that potential, he is going to be great masking tape for the franchise, uh, for for the franchise, the terrible decisions that the franchise made last year. He's going to be able to cover all that up and, yeah, they've got the best sort of two-way wing pair in the league, probably bar the Celtics. Um, they it, got him in the it, same draft too, you know, like that that 2020, that was an outstanding draft. So that draft is really um, – Saves them. Is really, yeah, that's keeping them afloat. Uh, they, they nailed that. So, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're – t- I agree. Super, a lot of volatility. Um, mm. I, would, I think they're going to be good. No, I think mm-hmm. – I don't know. I, I think I'd probably – have them in the postseason, but yeah. uh, again, again, they've been there two straight years, and maybe that this past season that was a little, it was like an overachievement the year before, and then this past season it kind of felt like a little bit of an underachievement. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think it's fair to expect them to be back there again. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, Kyle Anderson, Conley. Yeah. They've got they've got some nice vets. They could be they, they could do. be pretty good right now if it clicks. They do. Absolutely. It, it could work out for them. And uh, the only way we're going to find out is by watching because no one got it right last year. A lot of people were calling on them to be a 50 win team straight out of the gate and it didn't quite translate like that. So, Brett, they were my number four. Who did you have at number four? We're really starting to get into the upper echelons here. The, well, we already talked about him. I had Orlando as my as my number four. I see. OK, yeah. OK. Yeah. And just absolutely. to clarify, the last thing I'll say about them is like I really, really like faults. I feel like, you know what I mean? I'm question I was questioning the fit a little bit, but like just as a player in a vacuum, like he's he's one of my favorite players in the league. I I, I think he's just 
outstanding. And I think there's a good chance he is the right guy for this team. Um, mm-hmm. You brought up his shooting before. Like, that's pretty remarkable, actually, the leap he made from uh, the long mid-range. Um, like, and it's funny with him, his shot, like his his pull-up jumper from the mid-range looks totally different than his set shot from three. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have that same hitch. Like, it actually looks pretty smooth. It does. Um, it's just funny. Like his, <laughs> they need to do a documentary just about his his shooting someday. Just the the adventure that it's been. But uh, but no, I, I really am high on him. Like I think he's a guy that could be in the most improved player conversation um, next year. So that's uh, those would be like those are yeah, those, him and the two main guys. Like that that right there is enough for me to be excited about. And we just got to get one of those one of those young shooters to really to really hit maybe maybe jet howard proves proves everybody wrong that was uh down on that pick because everyone was just like why don't you just take grady dick right like that was kind of the is like there's two guys that do kind of the same thing but this one's better and you took the one that (laughs) we don't think but who knows man maybe jet howard's got more than more than we think so they're my four though they're my four just on the upside of that franz paolo duo the rarity of it the uniqueness of it um the fact that we haven't really seen anything like it like they could almost they could almost change the way the game is played, you know, yeah. like they could, I was thinking about like the most revolutionary teams of the last like 30 years. And like, not that I'm putting the magic there, but I'm saying like looking forward, if I had to peg one team, that's like really just going to almost invent a new style of play. And I don't even know exactly what that would look like, but I think they have the pieces to do it. Like they're, they're, they're really fun in that sense and really exciting. And maybe my, my excitement's getting the best of me here, ranking them so high. But I feel I feel pretty good about them at, at the four spot. I think they got a really good coach in Jamal Mosley too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've got no problems with what you've just said. Uh, it, it's great doing a format like this because you get to talk about a team a little bit. You get to have those thoughts stew in the back of your mind for 10 minutes. And you go, oh, by the way, I love Markel Fultz. I love Markel Fultz. Yeah. And I'm about to do that for my number three picks. There was one more thing I wanted to say about the New Orleans Pelicans uh, when we were talking about Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. In terms of a duo with pick and roll versatility, I don't know if there's a single duo that has more of it in the league because Brandon can just set up at the elbows and the keys. Uh, just, just to be clear, they are my number three pick, by the way. But Brandon can set up at the elbow, at the key, get to his shot, and can run action that I think is quite similar to what Bam can run for Miami or even uh, Sabonis for Sacramento. He's got that frame now and he's got that vision that he can be a real playmaking hub. And that gets Zion in motion, driving downhill. You can They've got limitless potential screening for each other because whichever one of them is going downhill or situating themselves closer to the basket, they can just do so much there. And Zion is a bowling ball. No one's stopping him once he gets ahead of speed. And they've both got playmaking potential. They're going to be so fantastic to watch. And then with, and then with Trey Murphy spacing on on the way above the break, like, Oh my gosh. Like his, um, I was watching some, just some tape on his, his shooting. And like when he was playing with Zion, like that was a real problem. Those two guys on the same side of the floor, like there's not much you can do. And so you have, yeah, you have this, this pick and roll with Zion and Ingram and, and Trey out there. Like they could really be special. And like, it's, you've brought up Ingram's frame and like the way he's changed his body a couple of times. I think it's a good point that maybe a lot of people haven't caught on with yet, but he's like, he's like legitimately strong. He's big like, now. Yeah. Like he, even if he, even if he still looks relatively slender, he, although he's definitely gotten bigger, he's put on weight, probably mm maybe 20 pounds anyway, since he's been in the league, but Mm -hmm. like 
it really shows in how he plays, the way he sheds defenders, the way he can play through contact now, bump guys, get to his spots, get exactly where he wants to go, set up that that turnaround fadeaway. Like, um, that's been a really interesting development. It, just seeing a guy put on that kind of weight and, and really uh, use it to his benefit to the extent that Ingram has. Uh, he's like almost as much of an injury um question as zion it doesn't it doesn't yeah. feel like it but he's missed a lot of games the last he's few had so years, many so. niggling injuries just a lot where of the, they get in the way and it's it's not necessarily those full season injuries no. like we've had with zion but they seem to add up so and don't they always real... seem to come like right when he's getting rolling too like he'll just have this great he'll be on this great stretch of play and then he misses you know a couple or a few weeks or whatever so a lot of like what i was saying about zion applies to mm-hmm. to ingram too like he's almost as much of a swing factor too they need them both and um, I don't think it's too much to ask, you know, one yeah, healthy season. Yeah, we're paying them both maxes. Let's let's just see it just as fans, please. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Two more things. Uh, I want to see Brandon bring the Afro back. I think he looked phenomenal at the start of last year. He looked like a 70s player. All he needed was a gold chain and he was absolutely there. Um, yeah, I, I think he looks better with the Afro. And just coming back to Trey, having a guy that... Uh, went to the dunk contest finals and was in the three-point contest as well. How rare is that? That's sort of Jason Richardson territory. He's at least one of the most fun players in the league. And in terms of his three-point shot, he said that he spaces from three. He doesn't just space from three. He spaces from Way deep to three. back, yeah. He's happy to take 30-footers, and he can knock them down at a really, really high clip. So it just opens up so much potential for that I, team. I've never seen somebody spot up from as deep as he does, where he's yeah. just waiting there to catch it. 30 feet away like routinely i mean he i clipped all his deep threes recently and like i mean there was so many like i had to cut some out to keep the video like under five minutes or whatever like he it's i've never seen anything like it and yeah dude he's a pretty unique player historically speaking when you talk about a guy that's i think he's 610 i don't know if he's maybe listed at 69 i think he said he's 610 yeah at that height that's a top five shooter and a top five dunker at at 610. I don't know that we've seen a guy quite like that before. He really mm. is a unique player. Um another most improved uh candidate for for next year. I, I would as good as he was last year, I think he could even take another another leap, which would be I crazy. Think if we've concluded anything with this podcast, it's that you should never bet on the most improved player because Everyone goes into the season and there are like 50 guys and it's never anyone that you say. No one had Lowry last year, did they? Or, you know, no one had Shea right. necessarily. It's, it's impossible to tell. But uh, that was that was my three, the Pelicans. But I'm going to I'm going to even try and guess. I think you've got the Clippers at three. Yeah. And I, I'm already kind of regretting it. I think <laughs> you, you having them at eight, you know, I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe how much faith do I really have in them? Um, but you know, I already kind of explained it. It's, 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 it's the Kawhi factor and just the, the potential for them to actually be healthy, um, with that great coach and maybe adding James Harden. Um, so that's a lot, that's a lot that has to happen, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I've got, I've got them three. I, I, I kind of regret having the Pelicans as low as I did. And I kind of regret having the Clippers as high as I did, but I'm, 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 st- I'm staying, staying put with, with my choices. Yeah. What's um, good is that regardless of what happens in a couple of years, one of us is going to look really smart and the other is going to look really stupid with regards to the Clippers. And we'll be able to come back to it. But I I think that you set yourselves up for failure with lists like this. Hopefully we're, we're going to conclude with the same sort of number one, number two, but, but yeah. Um, 
Clippers, I, I don't know if there's much more to say. Don't knock Kawhi until he's completely down and out because he is that top five guy. They've got the deep roster. They've got trade flexibility. They've actually got that 28 and that 31st that they can trade now. I think they picked up Kobe Brown in the draft with the number 30 pick as well. So they've got the chips to go out and acquire maybe one more guy that could transform what this team looks like. And it's only going to take one season with them being healthy. And they, and they need to be healthy during the regular season. Like, I feel like there's been this kind of vibe with the Clippers the last couple of years. Like, oh, who cares about the regular season? Let's just go into the playoffs healthy. I think that's a pretty bad approach because then you end up with playing Phoenix in the first round. You know, like, what was what was even their regular season record last year? Like, they weren't very good. So I think – and then it's, and it's just hard to just, you know, flip the switch or whatever to use the, the popular saying and just all of a sudden we're in championship mode. Like, now you got to be good all season, man. And – um. And I think I think that needs to be a priority. Like, you know, I, I think they've maybe gone a little overboard with load management. Uh, just, you know, try to win 54 games or something in the regular season. Um, mm. Get a get a top three seed. Have that advantage in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I hope to see them kind of prioritize the regular season. Obviously, there's nothing you can do about certain injuries. Uh, but but, yeah, hopefully they just stay healthy. Uh, and, and they prioritize winning games in the regular season. They have some momentum going into the playoffs healthy going to the playoffs, high seed, they're going to be tough. They're always going to be a tough out if they got Kawhi. So, yeah, they're not the most exciting team to talk about because all these, most of these other teams are are like young, up-and-coming teams with these bright futures. The Clippers, it's like, all right, this is it. You know, like this is kind of their their window and, um, you know, they'll probably – yeah, so that's uh, that's my three though. I'm 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 riding with the Clippers, man. As, it feels like the last dance, but they haven't won the five championships before. It's just yeah. you know, imagine if you watch that documentary. But uh, <laughs> what I can conclude is we've we've got the same top two. So, yeah. um, I mean, who's your number one, Brett? And we'll talk about the number two next. All right, this was this was tough. This was this was tough. Um, deciding between these two, I knew they were going to be my top two. Mm-hmm. pretty clearly uh but I, i'm gonna go with phoenix for my number one because okay. because i think they've got a great chance to win it this next season yeah like, and for the next uh, that's, two to three seasons the next that. two to three but like yeah even right now like i'm probably they're in my top three for mm-hmm. you know for title contenders next season with denver and boston um so I don't know. I'd probably have them uh, maybe narrowly third out of that group, but they're right there. A team that I absolutely think can win it next season. I think, I mean, come on, man. Like, first of all, like it's an insane collection of talent. If you look at their big, big four, really, because I think Aiton could be um, unlocked. I think some people have called it the big three and a half. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but, but I mean, come on, like Beal, Booker and Durant and then, and Deandre Ayton, uh, just obviously an insane amount of talent, like all, you know, all-star three, three all-stars and, and Ayton who look, man, like he was, we forget how good he was for them in their run to the finals in, in 21. Like he was defending, like he, he could be really good. I think, um, the coaching change could really benefit him. I don't feel like that's been talked about quite enough with the Suns is the fact that they brought in Frank Vogel, who's an excellent coach and, and just a new voice. And like Monty Williams is an excellent coach too, coach of the year. Um, but obviously the relationship between him and DeAndre Ayton was not great, especially toward the end. Uh, so man, I, I think Ayton could be kind of like a sneaky X factor for this team where like yeah. if he could approach his potential, um, 
they could be they could be pretty special. And I think maybe yeah. Frank Vogel could be the guy to unlock that. Just the fact that they haven't traded him yet. Um, I think they want to see what it looks like. And uh, and uh, and they could be tough, man. So it, they're, they're again, health with Durant, uh, big thing, was, obviously, yeah. real concern. But yeah, they're they're loaded. They're they're a super team, I think. And I'll say this: like, I think they did a pretty good job. They basically overhauled their depth this offseason. You know, like, and I like what they did, considering their constraints financially. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the pieces that they brought in, whether it's like Keita Bates, Tiop, or uh, Yuta Watanabe, or uh, even my guy, Bull Bull, or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Jordan Goodwin from the Wizards. Like, yeah. I'm forgetting uh, somebody here. Uh, Eric Gordon, I think you mentioned earlier, they brought in Eric Gordon, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that I think they've done a pretty good job considering where, like, the depth issue might not be quite as glaring as we thought it was going to be um after they brought in Beal. yeah i think the discourse has been shaped by pundits not wanting to look embarrassed because i think so many people reacted to the bill trade just going well what the hell are they going to do they've got four players on their roster pretty much fine they can bring back jock lando but they're not going to have a bench whatsoever and a few people are just scared to come out and go no, we were wrong, actually. They've brought in a really solid bench around these guys. And I think Drew Eubanks. He's, an, he's another one. And Chemezi Metu as well, I Chime- think, rounds rounds that out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what's really interesting to me is that we've spoken about potential injury concerns. But if they just have two of the three healthy at all times this year, then they're going to be at least an above 500 team. And if they've got three, then they're going to be one of the best teams in the league by far. They're going to be so hard. Particularly if you can't prep for them like you can in the playoffs, you know, KD somehow gets more and more efficient every year. Devin Booker flashed hotter than pretty much anyone we've ever seen in the postseason last year. 68% true shooting on about 32 points per game through that postseason run. No one else has put that up. You know, these are, these are prime MJ numbers. I'm not saying he's that, but adding Bradley Bill, who is going to be a third option and is going to be one of the best, if not the best offensive third option in the league. Combine that with the fact that DeAndre Ayton, there's a history with Frank Vogel just shaping really good defences around a rim-protecting centre. I don't think it's necessarily about his offensive development this year. I think it's about his defensive development. If he can just lock in and be really serious about that, he's a guy that can switch a little bit on the perimeter. He's a guy that can be really menacing in the paint. He's seven foot. He's built like a Greek guard. He's got those long arms. It's just a mentality thing with Aiton. And like we said, the supporting cast, they're shooting all over the roster. They're going to be really, really great to watch. And I think over the next three years, they've got a good, as good a chance as anyone to win a championship. But yeah, what I'd almost say, be surprised if they don't. I'd almost be surprised okay. if they don't in the next in the next three years. Now this almost. is this is our difference because I had them at number two. Uh, I actually yeah. had the Memphis Grizzlies at number one. Uh, I love the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think that they are they're one hundred percent my dark horse contender to win it all this year. Uh, we spoke about the Clippers earlier on. My concerns matching up with the Denver Nuggets. I've got the opposite concerns with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they match up really well with Denver in terms of having that really big physical presence that they can put on Jokic and a Steven Adams. They've got a two big lineup that they can throw at the best players in the league. That matches up really well against playing against a team like Milwaukee. It matches up against playing against 
the Celtics even. And I, I'd be interested to see how it looks against the Suns as well. Jaron Jackson took a massive leap post-All-Star when John Morant didn't necessarily play as many games. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's one of the best two-way players in the league already. And we're going to really realise this year. I know he won Defensive Player of the Year last year that just as much as we talk about Evan Mobley as a guy that can potentially emulate what Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett did, Jaron Jackson deserves to be mentioned in that conversation for me as well. Absolutely. I remember saying like when Evan, when Evan Mobley was a rookie, I guess, and everybody was so excited about the things he can do. I'm like, Jaron's Jaron can do this stuff too. And he's not getting that kind of hype at all. Like, and they're not that much older than him either. I mean, Jaron's, I think maybe 23 still. So uh, another one of the best value contracts in the NBA right there. He's on like a, a declining contract where he's making maybe an average of like 26, 27 over the next three years. He's obviously going to be due for a big payday, but that's the thing with this Grizzlies team. Like they've got a lot of these guys under team control for a long time. Like I think, you know, jaw and Bain for at least the next five years, like Jaron for the next three Marcus smart for, I think the next three. So mm-hmm. they're a team where like, I'd be surprised if they don't win one in the next five years. And that's why it was kind of like a toss up between Mm -hmm. them and Phoenix. Like Phoenix has a little bit shorter of a window, but I think a little bit higher of a ceiling in the short term. Um, But this, this really was a toss up for me. Uh, I could absolutely see the Grizzlies making the finals this year. They obviously lost uh, to the Lakers last year in the playoffs, but they weren't at full strength. Ja missed. I think he missed one game, if not two. And then Steven Adams was out the whole series and he's super important to, to what they do. But I think Jaron, like we were talking about with Halliburton earlier, uh, Jaron could make that same all NBA leap uh, mm-hmm. this coming season. And, and mm-hmm. like, and like you said, yeah, he was DPOY, but I still think his offensive game is a little bit slept on. And I think he's got more growth too there. Like he can do sure. some things, man, like his ability to, uh, to attack closeouts to put the ball on the floor to score yeah. with it, score with his left hand um, I, to shoot the three, like, and then just the size that, that he's put on since coming into the league. Uh, he's, I don't know how much muscle he's put on, but he's become a really uh, monstrous physical presence out there on the court where he was a little on the leaner side when he came in. And now you look at him and he's like this hulking dude. Uh, he just throws people around. So he's a monster. Um He's Absolutely. had some some health concerns in the past, but I think he's largely over that. And I'm glad you mentioned that stretch at the end of last season. He was he was unbelievable, and I think that gave us an idea of what he could be as an offensive player. Like he, with it, considering the amount of time Jaw's going to have to miss this coming season, like I think Jaron could be their most valuable player uh, on the year as a whole. Uh, and, and so you know, as long as Jaw can stay on the court after he comes back from his suspension, maybe we'll see a, a, an even better b- version of Jaw than we've seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we'll see a more focused version of Jaw. Like they, man, they're going to be good. Baines maybe the best shooter in the league outside of Steph and Clay, I guess. Like he's mm-hmm. probably top five right there with Trey Murphy, like we were talking about before. And uh, and I think the Marcus Smart addition is really underrated, especially considering the amount of time that Jaw is going to be out. And where you need this point guard and you, you know, you lost Tyus Jones uh, and now you've got this guy in Marcus Smart who can step in. And like this guy went to the finals as a starting point guard on the Celtics. And that was a big reason, big part of why they made the finals, like that adjustment, putting him in there, even if it's not his natural position, like we know he can be pretty good there, especially just as a placeholder until jaw gets back. And then it's going to be interesting to see what their starting lineup looks like after that. But man, they're, they're tough. They got a great coach. Great, great, great coach. Yeah, uh, some, some nice young players, some nice depth pieces. Mm. Uh, Conchar, Xavier Tillman. You know, maybe we see a little leap from Zaire. There's, there's a lot I, to like, man. 
I love the Luke Kennard edition at the trade deadline. Well. I thought he really opened up the court for them. Just Speak, speaking of top five shooters, he yeah, probably rates there too. <laughs> exactly. He let rip from three in a way that we didn't necessarily see him do for the Clippers. And he's a guy that can shoot not even 45% from behind the arc, but he, he, there are stretches where he approaches that 50% mark, which is just absolutely game breaking. And uh, you touched on something, Brett. Jar missing those 25 games. Uh, I think if you wanted to have the Grizzlies outside of the top two, then you'd cite the sort of long-term future of Jar with this team and Jar in the league. I don't necessarily have doubts about that. I think that there have been superstars that have been very lucky over the course of NBA history that Instagram Live didn't exist. He's a young player. He's a guy that is surrounded by, you know, his mates from college and you know, what are you, what are you going to do? He's There's some growing pains to go through, but I think he's going to come back 25 games rest and I think he's going to have a real point to prove in the league he missed out on all NBA last year that cost him a hell of a lot of money I think that we might see the best version of John Morant that we've ever seen and he's another guy he's a proven playoff scorer he's a guy that can just get to the rim on volume and he's just more than anything he's got that mentality to be a number one option he brings his teammates into play as well I can see him really leading this team but in terms of that short term those opening 25 games I think it's great that we're going to get to see Jaron Jackson Jr. as a number one, number two option for another quarter of the season, over quarter of the season. I think it's great that we're going to see Marcus Smart be able to assimilate with these guys without the presence of Jar there. And they're just going to be able to add him in. And I think that the team is going to be really fresh by the time that they get to the postseason. I, like I said, they're my dark horses for the league this year. And one final thing about the Grizzlies. They've got the young talent that you spoke about. They've got Zaire, they've got David Roddy, they've got Jake LaRavia, who showed out in Summer League. They've got all their own draft picks. They can go out and they can grab another guy. They're another team that could potentially be in for someone like an OG Ananobi, who they could lock down to a long-term contract in free agency next year. I'm just really excited to see what they do. They've got one of the best front offices in the league. And kind of like the Magic, they've got this luxury of being able to build really differently with that four or five man in Triple J that can just play and give them so much flexibility. So I'm so excited to see what they look like next year. I think it's completely fair to have the Suns as your number one pick. Like you said, they've got a higher ceiling if everything goes right. If DeAndre hits, if KD stays healthy, if Devin Booker can be that guy that we saw in the postseason, and if Brad Beal can just enjoy playing basketball again. I think it might have been a little bit depressing. This is a good, this is a good role for him. You know, like he's yeah. not a number. He's not a number one guy. He never has been. He wasn't mm-hmm. projected as that coming out of college. He was always the number two next to wall. And then he just kind of fell into this number one role. And he averaged 30. Exactly. But like, I, well. I, I don't think that was his best role. I think mm-hmm. he's more of a number two. And who knows, maybe at this stage in his career, age 30, whatever he is, maybe number three is where he's best suited. And and we yeah. finally get to see that. It's like, yeah, you can, all the knocks on Brad Beal, all the, all the flack he's gotten the last couple of years has been like Brad Beal, number one option. But uh-huh. like, now let's talk about Brad Beal, number three option. Yeah. Now you have the most dangerous number three, probably in the league. Yeah. This is a guy who averaged, he's only a couple of years removed from averaging 30. And now he's your number three option and he's not even old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I they're mean, gonna be incredible. They're gonna be fun. They're gonna be fun. But I hear you. I hear you about the Grizzlies. That was super close. And like, I think they're gonna be 52, 53 wins, maybe more. Uh, probably, I'd probably have them as a top three seed with Phoenix and Denver. Um, 
you know, in there somewhere. And uh, and they're, they're going to be tough, man. I think you made a good point. Like, just how Jaw is going to be fresh. Like, assuming yeah. he's taking care of himself when he's, you know, not playing. I'm sure he's going to be around the team and everything, right? He just can't play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we – because if we see the best version yet, even of Jaw, like, look out, man. It, with Jaron right. taking a leap. And uh, and and you you bring up a good point too, man, about the type of player they could add. Like that's that's the position that they would probably look to add is like a big wing. That's like yeah. the one thing they don't really have right now because you've got Bain and Smart who are you know six four, um, mm-hmm. six six three, and then you've got Jaron and Adams, but you don't really have like that six eight six eight you know uh, wing stopper like an OG. Uh, Jay McDaniels guy like that. So if they could add, you know, that type of player, then it's like, they're probably the title favorites as long as they have everyone else, whenever that happens. So I like them. Um, it felt, felt like a pretty clear top two though. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. It was always going to be those two from the start for me. Uh, but Brett, have you enjoyed coming on the podcast? This one hour, 25 minute podcast. We've, we've got a double feature for our listeners. Basically, this is great. I've, I've loved having you on. I think maybe let's, let's recap our lists in full and then tell everyone where they can find you on the socials on everything that you're doing. Have you got anything else planned for the NBA off season? Fire away, man. Uh, just uh, as far as, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at mm-hmm. usher NBA, U S H E R. NBA, I kind of just talk about the whole league and a little kind of a mix of like NBA history and current stuff. I love talking about the young players. I'll post clips, uh, random takes, things like that. Um, So just have fun on there. And then uh, I've been doing a podcast uh, with my buddy Steve for uh, about three years now. It's called the Overstated NBA Show. Mm -hmm. Um, That's uh, something y'all could check out and subscribe to if you feel so inclined um that's a lot of fun we just we just talk about the league usually like current topics and stuff we'll probably get into a, the full swing of things with that uh here in the the month leading up to the season uh so check me out there but that's about it as far as things i have to plug but man yeah this was a lot of fun really a great to- great topic idea i had would never have thought to do that but that's a really uh fun way to talk about all these teams and just think about like you know like it's a big, it'd be a big deal. If any of these teams wins a title, it's a really big deal. First title in franchise history is a huge, huge deal. And now we're down to 10 teams um, that haven't won it. And, and so that, that's definitely uh, more importance it, it, with these teams. So it's, it's fun to talk about them and, and what the pathways might be for them to, to get there. But no, that was a blast, man. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Anytime, anytime, Brett. If you want to come on during the regular season, I'm sure I'm going to be pestering you in the DMs. And, oh, definitely, uh, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overstated as well. But thank you so much for coming on. I'm just going to recap my list. So I had Charlotte at number 10. I have Brooklyn at number nine. The Clippers at number eight. That's probably where quite a few people stop listening. Indiana at number seven. Orlando at number six. Utah at number five. The Timberwolves at number four. And then our top three Pelicans, Suns a number one team most likely for me to win a championship first out of this group is the Memphis Grizzlies. Brett, would you just All run right. us through it? Real quick. Let's see. Uh, the Hornet, Hornets 10, Nets 9, Jazz 8, Pacers 7, Pelicans 6, Timberwolves 5, Magic 4, Clippers 3. 
what was I thinking? <laughs> Grizzlies, Grizzlies, uh, very close to, and then Phoenix, uh, number one. Yeah, yeah. Look, great episode. I've loved having you on, and I'm sure that you're going to be back if you would grace us with your presence once again. Uh, Brett, I'd love to. I'd love to. Socials down below thank you so much for coming on guys that's been another episode of the drop step thank you for listening come back next week when we talk thunder uh with another few special guests it's going to be another exciting topic uh you've listened to the drop step with me jack quantrill and today brett usher uh thank you for listening tune in next time